When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome to the show. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us on ESPN2, listen to us on all the great ESPN stations across the country, Sirius XM80, ESPN app, and you can be a part of Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by... Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper the ones fans deserve. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Well, you guys have a good weekend because uh, the two best teams arguably in the NFL did not. (laughs) Wow, didn't see this one in full coming with the Niners and the Eagles both losing. Good morning, Smalls and CeCe. Good morning. Well, I guess it's not a good morning if you're in San Francisco or you're in Philadelphia, right? Or is it? Or is or it? Is it? I don't is know it? about that. I, I don't know if you can have a silver lining when it comes to losing to teams on their backup quarterbacks. Like, I, I'll give credit where credit is due. Outstanding performances by the Browns and the Jets' defense because those are the ones that want it. If you're those head coaches, you're giving all those guys in those respective units game balls today. But, I mean, what a lackluster performance by both quarterbacks and by both teams on the offensive side of the ball if you're Philly at San Francisco. It is not a good morning for us guys because this is the first Monday that we don't get to sing the Brock Purdy song. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Purdy, Purdy, Brock. I don't think we can sing it. PJ Walker outperformed our guy. We can't. Yeah. We can't even pretend. PJ Walker, Philip Walker, Walker Texas Ranger, Everyone Walker, Antoine Walker, just all the Walkers. Walker, all the Walkers. They walked it right out to a victory. Whatever it was. Yeah, they yeah they did. And and I guess the most impressive part about it was. The fact that their defense kept stepping up time after time after time and getting stops. And here's the thing. They let one out of the gate with Brandon IU catch and run opportunity to put the ball in plus territory for the 49ers late. But leave it to kickers <laughs> to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory because that was a chip shot field goal. Jake Moody pushes it wide right and all is well in believe land. But, uh, again, I can't say enough about the Cleveland Browns defense. I was on first take last week, uh-huh. and I was arguing with Dan Orlovsky and Kimberly Martin about whether or not the Browns were the best defense in all of football. I think they went out and they proved that they were that caliber of defense yesterday with that type of performance because – They shut them down. They didn't allow the 49ers to get the run game going, which is a critical component in Kyle Shanahan's offense, and they flustered Brock Purdy all game long. They got after it. It wasn't just Miles Gary. It was everybody on that defensive front from Cleveland putting pressure on Brock Purdy, and we saw for the first time since he's taken over the starting job – him look like a mere mortal at the quarterback position. First loss of his career in the regular season. They they got after it even before the game with the two teams kind of going at it until Trent Williams said, uh-uh, <laughs> you ain't coming after my guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trent, and Trent Williams and Debo Samuels out there with the pregame festivities, both of those guys got nicked up, had to leave the game for certain periods of time. I think that spoke to the physicality of the Cleveland Browns team mm-hmm. and their defense in particular. They made that a fist fight in the phone booth. 
I mean, to quote Olivia Newton-John, let's get physical, physical. Uh, to see to physical. Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, I didn't see that didn't one see coming, that coming today. But that, uh, the San Francisco 49ers <laughs> didn't see that coming yesterday either. The, the the Browns got real physical with them, nice and physical. And when that happens, that is the ultimate equalizer. When when you know that your team doesn't have the talent on both sides of the ball to compete with the other team, you make it physical, you try to shorten the game. I thought that Cleveland, Kevin Stefanski, and Jim Schwartz, their defense coordinator, did a great job of being able to outline a path to victory, and the guys in the jerseys went out there and executed. All right, so let me give you some of the details on this. Cleveland did beat San Francisco 19-17. They did it without Deshaun Watson. They went to their, in essence, their third-string quarterback because he's the yeah. third guy to start in five weeks for them. He came off the practice squad. He came off the practice squad. Brock Purdy was 12-27, 125 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Christian McCaffrey did get hurt in this game, obviously, and that was as did uh, Debo, as did Trent Williams, a big topic of conversation there. They miss a field goal late, they being the Niners, to potentially win that game. And I must say... If you listen to Unsportsmanlike every day, well, number one, thank you. Number two, we did say this all week long. We said, watch the Browns go out there and cover this weekend. Mm -hmm. Watch the Browns play the Niners well after we've all, including us, hyped up the Niners and Brock Purdy. Then when Deshaun Watson was ruled out, I think we all took a step back and said, not about the defense, but about the overall spread of the game. We thought, "Ah, well, okay, maybe it's going to be the Niners and give the Browns all the credit in the world. And then the other game we're talking about here, the Jets beating the Eagles 20-14. to No Sauce Gardner in this game for the Jets. Obviously, they're without Aaron Rodgers. Jalen, at least as an active player, he was mm-hmm. there yesterday. Yeah. Jalen Hurts, 28 of 45, 280, but had three interceptions in this game. And Zach Wilson, 19 of 33, 186, did not turn the football over by way of an interception, which is a key point in this game. And now you have two massive contenders here. The two best teams clearly in the NFC, both losing which one are you more concerned about if either one of them right now, the Niners or the Eagles? Oh, boy. I, I think I'm probably— If prob- either one. I, I think I'm probably more concerned with the San Francisco 49ers mm. because this was a team that we had lauded for their physicality and just their ability to impose their will on every single opponent they lined up against. I mean, that offense in each of their first five games scored 30-plus points. Mm -hmm. And then it got held to 17 yesterday because the guys in the white jerseys were more physical than the guys in the red jerseys. I I didn't see that coming from San Francisco. But like we say with all bullies, when you punch them in the mouth, how they respond is going to tell you a lot about their character. And I think we learned a little something about the character of the 49ers yesterday. Now, I'm not going to jump out of the window and say that they can't get back up on the horse. We all understood that this was going to be a tough spot for them from the get-go. You're talking about them playing the Sunday night football game against the Dallas Cowboys. You know the kind of energy that was involved with the lead-up to that game, all of the talking that the Dallas Cowboys would do. San Francisco, that game meant a lot to them, even though they didn't say as much. So natural opportunity for a letdown spot. Then you're on the road, West Coast team, 1 o'clock kickoff against a team that's coming off of a bye week. So you can see all of the makings of an upset special. But when Deshaun Watson was ruled out, I was just like, I don't know. There's no way that the Browns could win. And beyond that, just cover the nine and a half point spread. I just didn't see that happen. I didn't have it on the bingo card. But when you look at the entire picture, you can understand how it was a net natural letdown spot for Cleveland. I mean, for San Francisco. Yeah, I'm with you. I but I'm also not as concerned about the 49ers as I am seemingly about the Eagles. I'm not mm. overly concerned about the Eagles, but we have seen the 49ers be dominant. 
at this time last week, we came in and said they are the clear-cut Super Bowl favorite. They're the best team top to bottom in the NFL. They had all of these factors working against them for the perfect storm yesterday. They should have won the game, make no mistake about it, but you have contributing factors to this loss. Whereas the Eagles, they were getting the wins, but they never looked truly like themselves to me. They never really looked as dominant as I would expect them to, and it just kind of felt like a loss was due for Philadelphia. Yeah, I think that is fair, what you're saying, and I'm going to spin it differently, and this is how I truly feel. I think this is a great thing for both teams because this just wasn't going to last. Mm. I think in our lifetime, we will never see another undefeated team. And the reason I say that is I don't think teams want to actually go undefeated. I think it's too hard. It's too hard to keep that going. At some point, Brock Purdy was going to have a loss, right? At some point, the Philadelphia Eagles, while not looking perfect this season, were going to have that moment where they actually allow more points than they score, right? Where they were going to lose a game. Getting this out of the way now when neither team was going to have a perfect season anyway. And by the way, there were people, credible people out there, randomly both with the same last name. Kyle Brandt of NFL Network, Andrew Brandt of Sports Illustrated. Pick these two teams to go undefeated. Brandt with the Niners, uh, and uh, Kyle with the Niners, Andrew with the Eagles. It was never going to happen. CC, what you saw in playing against the, the Patriots or when you were in the league, an undefeated team, it will never happen again. At some point, I think the hiccup clears the throat a little bit. I think it's not a bad thing that they lost yesterday, and they lost early enough where they reset. So I don't think this is bad for either team. Well, I think both teams are firmly in control of their respective divisions, right? Like, that that's what you look at. Like, they, they, we don't see anybody in the Correct. NFC East that's going to challenge the Philadelphia Eagles. I know people want to point to the Cowboys, but it feels like it's the Eagles' division to lose. Same thing with the San Francisco 49ers, who got some help from the Cincinnati Bengals because they beat the Seattle Seahawks yesterday, the second-place team in the NFC West. So I don't see the team that's out there that's going to challenge either one of those two teams for the division title. So I guess to Evan's points, to give it more validity, like this is a part of the growth and maturation for both teams. Now, Philadelphia does have a bit of a built-in excuse. Their best player, Jalen Carter, was in street clothes yesterday. He didn't play the game. So, I mean, the fact that you didn't have him as a part of that pass rush to put more pressure on Zach Wilson without having to bring blitzes, I think that makes a difference because that lets Zach operate the offense with a certain degree of comfortability that that you don't want the opposing quarterback to have. And so I think Zach was able to settle in and he was able to make some throws. And their running game, I thought, with Brees Hall, with some of the things that they were doing and ways that they were using him, it made a lot of sense in terms of taking the pressure off of the quarterback. So I, I, I give credit where credit is due. It's Rob Sala, it's Nat Hackett, it, it's Brent Boyer, it's all it's all the people with the, the New York Jets. They deserve all of the kudos. But to me, that felt like a game that Philly let get away and really, it was because they were uncharacteristic. You had 50 dropbacks by the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday. 50. 50 dropbacks to 22 rush attempts. That's not their formula for success. Now, I get it. DeAndre Swift, his 10 rushes, he had six of them that went for one yard or less. So it's not as if they were getting a lot of mileage out of the run game. But I say this all the time, Smalls. Running the football, it's more about the attempts than it is the actual productivity because of the opportunities that it creates in the passing game. They were never able to challenge the New York Jets defense with the run game enough to force the Jets to have to drop extra defenders down in the box to stop the run. And I think that was the key. Philadelphia didn't have that commitment to the run, and that opened the door to this affair 
being being decided by the Jets' defense late. And that is why I don't look at it as that bad of a, of a thing here with either team. You're telling me Phillies, without their best player that you love, the rookie Jalen Carter out of yep. Georgia, mm-hmm. they didn't look like themselves. They didn't stick to their true identity. No. San Francisco's without Christian McCaffrey for most of the game, without Debo, without Trent Williams. Okay, Brock Purdy didn't play that well. We'll get to that. And that's why I don't think this is a bad thing. Quickly, CeCe, do you ever, did you ever have a game where you felt like afterwards, you know what? You or your coaches, that's probably not the worst thing in the world we lost that game. I know you want to win every single game. Yeah. But you, where you leave there and you're just like, we probably needed that. Yeah, two, 2011, we lost to the San Francisco 49ers out in Candlestick Park. And we said, you know what? If we got to see this them. This is with people, the Giants. This is with the Giants. Yeah. I was like, you know what? If we have to see those people again, we could probably beat them. And lo and behold, we saw them in the conference championship game, beat them on the way to win the Super Bowl 46. Mm-hmm. So there, there are things to be gained, but I don't think anybody is looking at the New York Jets no. or the Cleveland Browns as Super Bowl contenders, at least not yet. And so I, I guess the whole point of it is if you're Philadelphia or San Francisco, you have to look at these losses as an indictment on the sports character of your locker room because these are opponents that are inferior from a talent standpoint. And I think there's a little bit of complacency that can set in when your team is very workmanlike in their approach and going about winning week after week. They are inferior from a talent standpoint, but also I'm looking at the Jets being like, did they just hit the reset button completely on the season? Like, this is the Jets team we were expecting to see. A really, really staunch defense with other offensive weapons and a quarterback that can just do enough. Yep. We we conflated that because it was Aaron Rodgers who slotted into that position, and he can obviously do more than enough. But if Zach Wilson can be this guy the remainder of the season, the Jets are going to be a real problem. And this is what their dream was, to figure out a way of resetting Zach Wilson where one day he could be good. They didn't want it to be today, but one day, and he now has maybe the makings of maybe almost hypothetically possibly a decent quarterback in the league. Wow. I gave enough, cat- I gave that's enough a, that's caveats. A, that's a lot of caveats in that statement. Coming up, <laughs> are we still feeling solid as a Brock? It's unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. The call there heard here on ESPN Radio, Steve Levy. We got all the best play-by-play. Got all the NFL yesterday. Got the Major League Baseball. Heard Ravitch, Carl Ravitch, Eduardo Perez, Tim Kirchin last night with the Rangers win. It is unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio alone. Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Well, our um, our adopted son, <laughs> Brock Purdy. We are the Brock Purdy fan club here on Unsportsmanlike. 
He had a tough one yesterday, mm-hmm. 12 of 27, 125 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. And all the people that wanted to hate on Brock, that were ready to hate on him come his first loss of his NFL career, which happened yesterday, are now saying, well, see what happens when his stars aren't there? Yeah, because there's so many quarterbacks that are amazing when their stars aren't there. There's Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and a couple of Patrick Mahomes. But, like, sure, Brock Purdy, confirmed, is not one of the greatest quarterbacks who ever played the game. (laughs) There's a difference between us rooting for this guy and the story and the MVP candidacy and then making the claim he's one of the best ever, which we've never done. We said situationally, late-round draft pick, outperforming his contract early on, reminds us of the Brady situation in New England. Not the player, the situation. Mm-hmm. Is he now out of the MVP conversation? Is this what's happening now? We're removing him? I'm not ready to remove him. Are you guys ready to remove him altogether? No. He didn't have his best day, but he threw his first interception of the season. It's week six. He almost completed the comeback. We just heard the call right there. They were in position to win the game. And even though it wasn't his best performance, if that kick goes through the uprights, we're having a different conversation about Brock Purdy this morning. No, we probably are. I guess I'm in wait-and-see mode. I'm not going to take him out of the MVP conversation, but I do think this raises an eyebrow because this is one of the things I wanted to see. You know, for Brock Purdy's first 10 regular season starts, everything has been ideal for him. He's had one of the best playmakers in the backfield with him and Christian McCaffrey. He's had Debo Samuel. He's had Trent Williams. He's had George Kittle. He's had Brandon Ayuk. He's had a lot of things going in his favor, not to mention the best scoring defense in the entire NFL. So I I guess my thing was what happens when Brock Purdy has to win a football game for the 49ers? When you're down Debo, when you're down McCaffrey, what what happens when Trent Williams is banged up? Can Brock Purdy make the requisite plays to position his team to win the game? And the answer to that question is yes, he can. We saw it yesterday. Thank you. It happened yesterday. Thank you. The the, the kicker missed a chip shot, forty one yard field goal. Well done. No, no, no. He did position. I know. He positioned on that last drive. No, no, no. I'm gonna and, and that's the thing. The numbers. Are ugly. They are what they are. They're not good. So I'm not going to sit here and try to defend them. That's different. Brock Purdy made some mistakes. He had to turn over the air and throw that he had when he was late throwing that inbreaker. So, I mean, there are certain plays throughout the course of the game where Brock Purdy made it harder for his team. But in the end, when you got the ball back and you needed to put together a drive, could he do that? The answer is yes. First and so 10 I, from I, their 25 with 139 to go. He gives his team a chance at a game-winning field goal. What do you want? What, I mean, what, what do you want I mean, you, you want to win the game. That's, 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 I, but that's, that's the, what you want. Okay, you want to win the well game. Well, then, you know what? You want to win the game. Ball T, Chris Canty, kicker conversation. Go. <laughs> you hate kickers. No, I don't hate kickers. I just don't think they're football players. That's a separate conversation. But, no, I guess the whole point is, why is the game even that close? For the detractors today, they're going to say, you're going up against P.J. Walker, a guy that was in the XFL a couple of years ago. Why was the game this close? And what I would point to is the Cleveland Browns defense Mm -hmm. more so than Brock Purdy not being something that everyone is lauding him to be. I I think this was much more about the Browns defense making a statement saying we're going to have to be uh, uh, we're a force that's going to have to be reckoned with in the AFC North more so than it was about Brock Purdy actually not being good Smalls. Do you think that the way he responds next week could be a huge um, emphasis point in his MVP conversation? I mean, maybe, but I also think that let's not. I mean, it's against the Vikings yeah, in their true. next game, so they may not. We may not give him a ton of credit. And I know the Vikings won yesterday, and there's all kinds of conversation that now Kirk Cousins is going to stay. But if you look at the MVP odds we have on ESPN two right now, Tua is the favorite, then Mahomes, then Purdy is still third. 
So I think what happened yesterday is I don't think he hurt his candidacy. I think he really could have helped it, right? If all of a sudden those numbers looked a little different, then maybe he could have helped it. But I think it's unfair what we're doing to Brock Purdy after one game and one loss, excuse me. Remember, this is a guy that the totality of his career, he's not even a full season of starts, right? He's not even a full season of starts. So let's give the guy a little bit of a break here in terms of one bet. Okay, I need to know what the sigh and the moan is about there, big guy. No, I'm with you. I I think we have to. I hear that. This is is his first bad start. It is. But as you said, a nine play, 52 yard drive to to set up a game winner. No, and and that's great. I mean, and, and he completed four passes for 43 yards on that drive. That's great. Now, can I tell you what he did for the rest of the first no, uh, second I'll, half? I'll pass. Okay, I'll, tell Smalls because I mean because <laughs> he, he completed four passes for forty-three yards on that final drive. Correct. In the second half of that game, think about this: Brock Purdy was five of fifteen for forty-three yards. Ooh. So you do the math. He had one other completion in the second half of that game for ten yards. That's it. That's unacceptable, Smalls. Wasn't great. You gotta be. You gotta be better than that. But again, he gave his team an opportunity. I thought we were avoiding that part the, of it. The, the, the kicker spit the bit. So it is what it is. But yeah, we can't take Brock Purdy out of the MVP conversation because he had one bad start in what fourteen games. So I mean, I, I, I give I give him a little bit of leeway based on the full body of work. But now it's about them being able to get back on the horse, and that's the thing that everybody's going to judge them on moving forward. How does this team respond? How does this team bounce back after a disappointing loss to a team that's seemingly inferior from a talent standpoint? Also, this is a challenge for us, guys. If we're going to be the leaders of the Brock Purdy fan club, we need to stick by our guy even in a loss. Okay, I got it for you then, Smalls. Here's what it is. If that kick goes through the uprights and Mm -hmm. the Cleveland Browns did a hell of a job, let's not ignore that, which we've we've given them credit. They did a hell of a job yesterday. Third string quarterback, they beat the best team in the NFL. That's an awesome win for the Cleveland Browns. Let's not not ignore that, which we're not. If that kick goes through the uprights, the narrative today is, look at this guy. Even in his worst games, he finds ways Mm -hmm. to win. He's one of those guys, he being Purdy, just finds ways to win. But instead, a kick went inches to the right of the upright, and they lose a game 19-17. If it goes in, everything you just said, while true, CeCe, about his poor second half, yeah. is ignored, and he's a find-a-way-to-win guy. He's no, a you're right about that, but here's the thing. We're going to find out about Brock Purdy soon now because when you start talking about the injuries that San Francisco is going to have to manage over the next couple of weeks with what happened with Debo yesterday, with Christian McCaffrey, with Trent Williams – now it's up to Brock Purdy to be a force multiplier. We haven't necessarily seen him in that spot where he's going to have to overcome some of his key guys being out of the lineup. And so I I don't want to speculate and get too far down the road with hypotheticals, but it's fair to assume that Christian McCaffrey with the oblique and Debo Samuel with the shoulder and Trent Williams being you know 30-plus years old and banged up, those guys aren't going to be 100% going into next week on the road against Minnesota. What happens to Brock Purdy? What can he do – to overcome those things, how can he mitigate the the guys not being a hundred percent or potentially being out of the lineup? That's what I want to see because that's where the MVP really makes his bones. That's where the narrative begins to take shape. If he can go out there and perform and get this team back on track with an emphatic win on the road, 
without those guys or those guys banged up, I think that says volumes about how important Brock Purdy is to the overall team's success. So he has an opportunity to make his case. He's yes. got it. We're saying he's got a chance. And we're chance. saying he's got a chance. <laughs> and he could do it on ESPN and ABC because next Monday night it is San Francisco and Minnesota. So even better, his MVP case made on our airwaves. Coming up, are Bears fans ready to admit it? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. He still reeks of sausage and jambalaya after another long NFL Sunday. It smells like jambalaya. The man, does he have some thoughts? This is Upon Further Review with Chris Ganty. Yes, it is time for a little round of Upon Further Review where Chris Canty gives us his observations <sighs> from the NFL Sunday after sausage and jambalaya. Oh, the music smalls. The NFL music doesn't get old. It scratches your that brain. Old, the NFL primetime so music, it so just good. doesn't get old. I love the music. Okay. All right, upon further review, week six edition, let's kick it off across the pond, shall we? The Tannehill era in Tennessee needs to be over. Mm. It has to be over. It should be over, Evan. He was knocked out of the game with a high ankle sprain in the third quarter, but I thought it was more because of a bruised ego because the guy (laughs) just was not good. I mean, the entire offense was awful. He limped off the field, but the offense was limped all game. I just think this team has to do something different at the quarterback spot. The offense was 1-9 of nine on third downs. They were 1-4 of four in the red zone. Tannehill finished with 8-16 of 16 passing, a 37.5 rating, and an interception. It, it just can't be a situation where your passing game averages less than four yards per play. They've got to be better in order to have a chance to compete in the AFC South. And there is a chance to compete because there's so much parity in that division. Tannehill is not going to give them an opportunity. Now, I guess the the bad thing for Mike Vrabel and company is that your backup quarterbacks are Malik Willis and Will Levis. Mm-hmm. They ain't it either. They don't look like it is. That's the answer either. I, I, if you're a Titans fan today, I've got to be honest with you. The quarterback of the future is not on your roster. Mm. 
But there's no point in continuing to march Ryan Tannehill out there on the field and letting him take snaps. See if you can get more from these young guys, get a bigger sample size, a bigger body of work, so you can make a definitive decision on them and formulate your plan for the quarterback spot in the offseason because Ryan Tannehill clearly ain't it. This is not a guy that you're going to extend beyond the season. So cut your losses with Tannehill. Move on to somebody that gives your team a little more juice on the offensive side of the ball or the possibility of having more juice on the offensive side of the ball. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you a quick little story. What's up? When I was fortunate enough to host Afternoon Drive on ESPN West Palm, 106.3 FM, our great station in South Florida, from 2012 to 2018, Ryan Tannehill was the quarterback of the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. We thought then he wasn't it. It's 2023 now, CeCe. Yeah. He ain't it. No, not it. Next. All right. Vikings at Bears. When are Chicago Bears fans going to admit Justin Fields is not the answer either. Oh, this isn't he ain't it edition of, of this, this, further is, this is a he ain't it upon further. <laughs> okay. when, are, when are the Bears fans going to admit it? Correct me if I'm wrong, Ed, but after the Thursday night win against the Commanders a few weeks ago. You wanted him out. Did I not tell the Chicago Bears fans that the Bears brass should sell high on Justin Fields? Did I not say that, Smalls? I heard it. Both ears. Trade him. Why should you get rid of him now? We still got more season left. Well, you know why you get rid of him now? Because the guy ain't stayed healthy for a complete season in the three years of his career. Why would you think that's going to change this year? You knew the clock was ticking. You knew it was ticking. And guess what happened? After a couple of good games, predictably, Justin Fields get hurt. Hand now, the, the, the x-rays are negative, but from what the reports are is that the guy couldn't grip the football because of a dislocated thumb. Mm-hmm. And they've got to do an MRI to see what's that's going on problem. with the ligaments. For a quarterback, that's <laughs> a problem. You kind of need your thumb to throw the football. So that's why I told Bears fans it was probably in your best interest to sell high on fields if there was a quarterback needy team that wanted to upgrade, as we speculated there could be out there, why would you not look to offload him now, knowing that he's not your quarterback of the future? I just don't know when Bears fans are going to admit it. We already all know it. Yeah, I get it. Oh, Caleb Williams didn't play well at Notre Dame. Okay, that's fine. Caleb Williams is still a damn good football player. And there's another guy named Drake May at Carolina. Drizzy. Also, also pretty good <laughs> at football, too, if you saw what he did against the Miami Hurricanes. All I'm simply saying is this. Bears, quarterback, look to the 2024 draft. It's not on your roster right now either. They have one and two in the draft, too, with Carolina and Chicago's picks. Yeah, and to be fair, I think most Bears fans are probably over the Justin Fields experiment. But doesn't that show you how emotionally battered they are about their quarterbacks, that they get one glimpse of Justin Fields winning a game, and they want to believe so badly that that he could be the guy or that someone could be the guy for them? So did you call the Chicago Bears fans desert thirsty for a quarterback? Is that what you just said? It's beyond that. Whatever the step beyond desert thirsty is, that's what Chicago Chicago Bears fans are for a quarterback. Us hungry by 10 a.m. Eastern? Exactly. Ravenous. They are desperate. Wow. All right. Keep it moving. Seahawks and Bengals. If you're a Bengals fan, you can't ask for a better scenario than what you saw play out yesterday in Cincy. You, you just can't. Your team started the season one and three. I left them for dead. A lot of people left them for dead. I said it's over. I'm still going to stand by my take, but I'm not saying it with my chest because Joe Burrow is starting to look healthier. Now, listen, the offense was a little anemic in the second half, but they made enough plays on the defensive side of the ball to be able to make a lead stick, and I guess that's the most important thing. DK Metcalf, I felt, cost his team an opportunity to win by stopping on a route that led to an interception 
for the the Cincinnati Bengals. But but I'll say this: starting off one and three, and then being able to pull it to three and three before your bye week to have a five hundred record. Now you get to start afresh with your season. You get to start anew. Now Cincinnati's got a brutal schedule coming out of the bye week, featuring the San Francisco 49ers and the Buffalo Bills. So good luck with that. But at least you give an opportunity for Joe Burrow to get healthier, and your team is at five hundred through the first six games. Couldn't have scripted a better recovery from the the seemingly disastrous start that the Bengals experienced. A couple of things on this one. First off, the Bengals' red zone defense, phenomenal during the course of this game. Gino and the Seahawks had multiple opportunities. The Bengals did a great job there. Second of all, Jamar Chase now has a 7-11 necklace. Yes. Because amazing. always open, et cetera. Like, just amazing, that necklace. Now, this is an upon further review, he ain't it edition. Tannehill ain't it, in your mind. Fields ain't it, in your mind. Is it CeCe ain't it with his Bengals prediction, or you're not ready to put a dollar in that jar yet? No, I'm not ready to put a dollar in the jar. Okay, because your prediction was that they were done. Yeah, my prediction is that they were done and not going to the playoffs. Which still is a possibility. Well, well, it's more than a possibility, because coming out of there by their own road against San Francisco, they've got the Buffalo Bills, the Houston Texans 500 team, on the road against the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. There ain't a whole lot of easy wins in that schedule for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, if their defense plays like that, it's going to give them a chance. And Jamar Chase said as much in the postgame interview. He mm-hmm. says, if our defense plays like that, we're going to get to where we want to go. So it's just a matter of their defense continuing to sustain that level of pressure and, and, and that level of intensity, but then the offense being able to match that with being able to score points. Because, I mean, you, you made 17 stick against the Seattle Seahawks. That ain't going to cut it most Sundays in the National Football League. But that was a glimpse of the Bengals that we know, that we saw yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if that's the Bengals that we know. I mean, we, we they play – expect co- more. Their defense is more of a compliment to their offense. Yesterday, the defense, they, they were the bus drivers. Mm-hmm. You know, They're the ones that created the turnovers. They had the red zone turnover. I think it was Mike Hilton on Geno Smith. And then you had the one, the interception in the field with D.K. Metcalf stops on the route. Like, to me – those are consequential plays. If you don't make either one of those plays, you're talking about the Seahawks being able to put up points in the Bengals' offense having to play from behind. That wasn't the case. Now, the Bengals' offense, they got to be better in the second half. That offense was absolutely atrocious. So we'll see what ends up happening moving forward. Um, I will say this. The Seahawks were able to get after Joe Burrow a little bit up front, and that's one of the things that we have to continue to watch them being able to protect Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow being able to protect himself by moving around on that calf. That, that's something that's worth watching moving forward. One other thing about the Seahawks. Despite the loss yesterday, the Niners losing to the Browns, the Niners are winning the NFC West. Second place in the NFC West is actually an interesting thing here between the Seahawks and the Rams because the Rams are way better than at least I anticipated this year. Mm-hmm. So the Seahawks loss yesterday when they had opportunities to win may come back to haunt them a little bit. Because that was a game they absolutely could have won. It would have been a good win on the road at Cincinnati. And obviously, they lose that game. All right, coming up. One of the great players in franchise history says that Bill Belichick's focus may have turned from team to self. We'll get to that next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, ESPN2. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen. Yeah, not pretty yesterday for the New England Patriots. Great job by the Raiders uh, as they are now 3-3. Three and three. They beat New England 21-17. New England is 10-18 and 18 in their last 28 games. A safety taken by Matt Jones to end that game for New England. After moments after a pass that will never be acknowledged, nor should it be with the way Mac has played this year, but a beautiful pass to Devontae Parker that he just dropped. Terrible drop. And, yeah, you know, it's tough, you know, going on the road and playing against Brian Hoyer in year 103 of his career. Not a, not an easy thing. I mean, no team is able to do that. It is bad. It is bad for New England right now. They're 1-5, and five, but don't worry. It gets so much easier. Now they have Buffalo and Miami in their next two weeks. It is very easy to see this New England team dropping to 1-7. and seven. All-time great Pats linebacker Teddy Bruschi, of course, is an ESPN NFL analyst, was on Sunday Countdown yesterday on ESPN and had this to say about the Pats' focus and the focus of the head coach. I just think it's different there now, okay? What I was known as a player was we were, we were coached to win meaningful games. Meaningful meaning division championships, playoffs, world championships, Super Bowls. The meaningful game now is not for the team, it seems. The meaningful wins, it seems like it's for Bill. Mm. Now, why is it for Bill? Is because the whole Shula thing is really just muddying everything. Do we wait and see if Bill can get Shula? Because is it all about getting to 348 and Bill's at 330 right now? But I just never knew it to be meaningful for an individual record there. And now it's overshadowing that team. So... I don't see that that is what's on everyone's mind, and actually including Belichick. If, if there was a take, Belichick is really focused on proving he could be a great coach outside of Tom Brady. All right, sure, you can look into that. I don't even think that's the focus. See, see, I think they just wanted to beat the Raiders yesterday. Maybe I'm nuts, but I don't think they're focused on Shula. They're not a good team, and I that's, don't think, I don't, I don't think yeah. the focus is on Belichick trying to get the all-time wins record, even though we know that's why he's hanging on. I just think this is a situation where he's lost his touch in part because he's lost so many different culture setters throughout that building. I mean, think about it. Losing McCourty, losing Tom Brady, losing guys that have been foundational in terms of the sustained success that they've been able to enjoy over decades. When you lose those guys in your locker room, it it it, it creates this dynamic that between the coach and the players that it's hard to be able to relay your message, especially when you're talking about an older coach. It's hard to relay your message in a way that this generation of athletes is going to understand. And so for me, it's much more about that 
than it is about Belichick focused on the wrong things. I, I think Belichick's message in terms of how you have to win football games is it, it, been consistent. I just don't think the players are listening to it. And this is the first time that I've been able to say that about a Bill Belichick coach team. I don't think the head coach has the ear of the players. I don't think the head coach has the trust from the players. And that's why it looks as bad as it does. When is the last time you've seen a Patriots team have 10 penalties in a football game? Probably, la- probably last year, too. I mean, that's, but, but, that, but that's what, but that's yeah, what I'm saying. It's, it's uncharacteristic given the 23, 24 years we've seen Belichick on those sidelines. They had 10 penalties yesterday and two turnovers if you count the safety. That, that, that's that's going to get you beat most most times, most games in the National Football League. And so I think that's the biggest issue that the Patriots are facing. It's how does this coach and how does this coaching staff gain the trust of the players in the locker room because it's clear and obvious to me that he doesn't have it. Which is so crazy to think that we've arrived at this point because that is what we always talked about with New England. How many players at certain points in their career would go to Foxborough and they would fall in line with the Patriot way? Regardless of their status, regardless of where they had been, they knew that Bill Belichick ran such a tight ship that they either fall in line or they're not going to be there. So the fact that we're talking about him losing the ear of the players is very different than anything we've talked about in the past. Now, as far as the record, he might not be outwardly talking about it, but it is no doubt a looming factor in everything that is happening in New England because the way this team is currently constructed, the way that they're playing, if Bill Belichick didn't have all of the history that he had and this record that he was actively trying to meet slash break – we would be talking about him being gone. I mean, we are talking about him being gone. Yeah. <laughs> but outside of the fact that Robert Kraft, I'm sure, has a certain amount of respect and affection for him and wants to make sure to have this transition out be met with a certain level of decorum, the record is a huge factor. And every time that they lose, it's something that we're going to talk about. How much longer is this going to go on? How- Are we going to wait for him to get the record? Is he going to want to coach somewhere else? I don't think him wanting to coach somewhere else is – it's not outside of the realm of possibility if he does leave New England that we're going to say he's going somewhere else to get the wins to break the record. Yeah, maybe. Um, I just don't think it's as much of a focus as maybe Brewski brought up there. And obviously he knows it way better than I will ever know that. I just look at this team right now, and this is the most frustrating part. You saw Belichick throw the tablet yesterday. Yeah. There's no way out of this. For this season, there no. is no way out of this. No. Malik Cunningham is a rookie quarterback, undrafted, slash wide receiver. They activated yesterday. Everybody was all excited. Maybe he could do something. He didn't do anything. Mac Jones, he got sacked. He got sacked That's on a poor read on a, a run-pass yeah. option. Uh, Mac Jones is not the guy that is blatantly obvious. He makes way too many mistakes through mm-hmm. an awful interception yesterday intended for their tight end, Hunter Henry. There is no way out of this. The only good spin I could come up with If you're a Pats fan out there, and I am, the only spin is that they could trade away any single player on this team in a a dump-off for draft picks around the deadline, and their record will not get worse. That is the only spin, because they are so bad that you can take anybody off of this team, put them on another team, get a mid-round pick, and they're going to be in the exact same spot. They're in no man's land right now. They're terrible. No, they're not in no man's land because that would suggest that you're in the middle. They're awful. <laughs> this is right. a, this is one of the worst teams in football. But I agree. But Dude. I'm just saying that right now the no man's land is I'm not sure that this was the direction intended. I wonder if this it was It might not have been the direction intended, but this was the direction that things were going when when you looked at the overall program. This is how things have been trending for a while in New England. Okay, so then let me flip the script. 
Is there any chance that Kraft and Belichick knew this was going to happen? And they're in on this together? No, the, no, I don't think that there was a chance. To be this bad? I don't, Meaning I don't that think, they didn't no, go out and upgrade no, no, no. a quarterback. They, I'm just no, no, throwing no, no, that no, out they, there. No, 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 they didn't think this was possible because if you listen to what the owner had to say all offseason, it was all about trying to win football games. It wasn't about chasing after individual accolades. The tone was set by Robert Kraft way back in the spring, back in March, April, with the owner meetings. He just kept saying all offseason to whoever would listen that we've got to find a way to get wins. Because being on the outside looking into the playoffs two of the last three years and having our our last playoff win come five years ago was unacceptable. That wasn't the standard that Belichick had you know created in New England, and now I feel like he's about to fall victim to that same standard. We've never seen Belichick go back-to-back years being on the outside looking into the playoffs. That's going to happen this year. So what do you do moving forward? That would be three of the last four years this team has been out of the playoffs. It's been going this way for a while. That's why I said before the season started that this is probably Bill Belichick's last year coaching because of the way things were trending and him seemingly not being able to get out of it by being a head coach or the general manager, both of them haven't done a good enough job, and so I think you need to transition to a new voice in the organization. You have every right to say that. It's almost impossible for me to fight that off. If I were Robert Kraft, I would still keep him through next year at least, if not further, if not deeper. I would keep him. The two biggest up, uh, upsets yesterday happened with backup quarterbacks. We'll get to that next. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.